Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes every single day. I am one of your hosts, Andrew Wade, and I am joined here by my co-host, Zach Cohen. Zach, how are you doing today on this lovely Monday night, man? I'm um, doing pretty good, pretty good. Monday, uh, the worst day of the week, but I'm hanging in there. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing well, man. Like you said, it's the worst day of the week, and we are only <laughs> going up from here, so I'm happy with that. Oh, yeah, game week, baby, so I'm just looking forward to that Saturday. Hell yeah, just a couple days away, and we have some great stuff coming at you on today's show. If you didn't check out yesterday's episode, if you are tuning in for the very first time, we had an opportunity to interview Jordan Bohannon. Make sure to check that out. On today's show, though, segment number one, we're going to be covering the depth chart for the Miami of Ohio game. We're going to be covering the offense on segment number one. On segment number two, we are going to be covering the depth chart for the defense, some of the questions and comments we have on that. And then finally, in segment number three, we're going to be giving you another point portion of the Jordan Bohannon interview. If you haven't listened to yesterday's interview, make sure to check that out. It kind of leads into this portion of the interview. We'll be doing that for uh, Thursday's episode as well. Also, if you haven't liked, review, and subscribed our podcast, please do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or the brand new Himalaya podcast app. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked on Iowa and Facebook at Locked on Hawkeyes. All right, Zach, let's jump into it, man. So segment number one, depth chart reactions, the offense, all right? So some, some things kind of came out there. There were some questions answered. A lot of questions kind of left unanswered. The first one I'm really curious about is the quarterback position. Obviously, Nate Stanley is the starter. But we were really looking forward to seeing who is the number two. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it, – it, so – Coming into it, I know, obviously, we didn't really know who was going to kind of be the backup. Um, we, I mean, going into the season, I kind of thought that whoever the back would be this year, the number two in command, we're going to be starting to get groomed for next year without Stanley and kind of trying to take on that uh, starter role. So, I, I mean, obviously, Petrus and Manziel, uh, there's no even clear number two, so that means that they're still – uh, working on that and no one's kind of obviously separated themselves or maybe they're both doing great who knows but uh, going into the season I'm not gonna lie um, I was kind of pulling for Mansell um, I just love his explosive uh, playing ability and getting out of the pocket and being able to run I thought that he's kind of like a uh, discount Johnny Manziel uh, nothing against Peyton but <laughs> I thought he had that kind of ability to kind of keep plays going and do something that I really haven't seen an Iowa quarterback doing quite some time. So I thought that was kind of going to add another dimension to Iowa uh, for the future. But 
Um, I know people like Petrus. Uh, he's a big, uh, big body quarterback. You know, he's an NFL type quarterback, uh, pro style. Um, I mean, Iowa loves them. I mean, any Iowa fan knows they love those big guys. They can just throw back there and kind of have them just stay in the pocket and, you know, try and uh, break a tackle or two, but, you know, stay in the pocket and make the right reads, not kind of venture too far out of the pocket. So, I mean, to be honest, I mean, Petrus, I mean, I haven't seen any competition, but obviously as Iowa fans, you know, Petrus kind of fits the mold more better, but who knows? I mean, I'm really looking for Manziel to be able to be the next guy next year, maybe get some PT and see what we can do and see how he can use those legs in the offense. But um, I mean, it's definitely uh, one of those things that I keep an eye on this year though. What, what are your thoughts on that, Andrew? Yeah, no doubt. I, I think for me, um, Petrus reminds me a lot of Nate Stanley. He is a big body guy, um, highly touted. I really expected him to come away winning the quarterback battle this, you know, this training camp um, or this, you know, kind of off season training program. But kind of when you talk about Peyton Menzel, one of the guys who came to mind for me is, is Drew Tate. He reminds me a lot of Drew Tate, both from Texas, both have that mobility that you typically don't see in an Iowa quarterback. I mean, Nate Stanley is deceptively athletic, but that's still not that athletic. Peyton Menzel deceptively. Does, yeah, <laughs> deceptively. deceptively. <laughs> like if you leave no one around him, the guy's going to run for a first down, but if there's, a, if there's a cornerback, you can maybe run him over. <laughs> yeah. He, he ain't juking him out, but I think with Peyton Menzel, you're going to get some of that running ability. And I think that would add a pretty cool element to the offense. Um, it will be interesting to see though, man, if, if Petrus wins that job, the backup job this year, does Manziel stay and try to fight it out next year? I mean, we saw this with Tyler Weigers and, you know, Nate Stanley a couple of years ago. So it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Yeah, adding on to that, it's a great point. I have been reading a lot that people do feel like whoever loses that battle is going to transfer. And I think it's going to add another uh, kind of cog into it once we get Deuce Hogan to coming up. Yep. Um, obviously, I was never really had a true freshman start, but just kind of throwing him into it. He's a big recruit, uh, one of the better quarterbacks I was recruiting in a long time. So even if one of those guys can get the job next year, they're not guaranteed anything, you know, when Deuce could see you under his belt and stuff like that. So that's, that whole story and everything's going to be really interesting to follow. So I agree. It's one of the headlines you should be keeping an eye on. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something to follow going forward. I agree. I think it'd be really interesting. I mean, I don't think Hogan will win the job next year, but... But what if, though? Yeah, what you if know, he does? Freshman phenom <laughs> for Iowa, the whole country would be... A, they'd not, not know what's going on. They think oh, I know. Wrong. People lose their freaking mind. Um, that's kind of a good transition, though. I think people would lose their freaking mind if Oliver Martin is actually eligible um, to play this season. We haven't gotten word back on if he is. Uh, there is some falsely reported news that he was going to be able to play, but also there's been some... Uh, I would say some coded language that kind of points to him maybe not being able to play this year. Um, he also wasn't listed on the depth chart. So uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. What is your take on that? If Oliver Martin doesn't play, you know, where do we go from here? All right. So, I mean, I've been kind of had the mentality, like, I, I, you know, there's some things and you don't want to get false hope, but you know, we kind of been strung on so far right now. I'm just having the mentality that he's not going to play. I mean, look, like he's a big player. He's a, obviously well, everyone wants him to play, but, you know, at this point, we got to move on. We have to move on. We have to look at Nico Regini, uh, and then we have to look at uh, Tyrone Tracy. Look, I know those guys aren't household names. They haven't really got a lot of playing time, but those are the type of guys you need to look at. And I know that there's been some actual true freshmen, too, making some noise. I forgot the guy's name. He can help me remind me. But I know Ferentz mentioned that we've had some freshmen who are probably going to get playing time because, obviously, Nico and Tyrone haven't ran away with anything yet. But you know what? If Oliver Martin can't play – still got on for another year and this year uh we have these younger guys who you know it's their time to make some noise and you know i'm better now than never right i couldn't agree more and i think it'll be interesting to see if 
if Oliver Martin isn't eligible this year and Tyrone Tracy or Nika Regini, they play really well. What does that wide receiver position look like next Agreed. year? And the other guy, the guy you're talking about is Desmond Hudson. Yes. Uh, 6'4", 195 yes. pounds. That's a big body guy. He's supposed I- to be a stud from training camp. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's kind of a Marvin McNutt mold. So, um, yep. you know, people think of Brandon Smith as a big guy. He's only listed at 6'2", I believe, but he plays really big. Having mm-hmm. a 6'4 wide receiver for Nate Stanley would be huge. It'll be it'll be interesting. I, I wrote an article on Daryl Gold a, a while back about, you know, Iowa is really starting to collect those wide receivers. Could we be seeing a transition to maybe a more modern passing attack, maybe a spread it out? Uh, they have the talent to do that. I think that would be really interesting. No, yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's kind of reminds me of like the 2014, 2015, like Chicago Cubs. Like they just had so many prospects and you're kind of like, you knew what was going on, but you're kind of just waiting to see what happens. And once they call these guys up and they start performing, I think we are kind of having our own little minor league of receivers that, you know, maybe not, maybe, maybe this year, I mean, better to present than any time, but maybe a year, a year or two. I think we got some guys that could seriously make some noise. And look, I mean, Amir Smith-Marset has supposed to be making explosive strides this offseason I think he's gonna be very good I'm very excited for him he could probably burn any cornerback in the big time Brandon Smith is a big body like you said and he looks big on that field so what about Hudson going into the slot listen I think the competition and how many guys we have performing for the slot spot if Martin can't play is better than any situation we could ask for better than just having one yeah better than having one guy who's just mediocre right so this competition we're probably gonna see a lot of guys rotated in and you know what Miami of Ohio we should beat them we should beat them handedly so we'll probably see some action in that game too those guys looking themselves in absolutely another position battle that's been kind of interesting that I think people weren't aware of really is the interior offensive line so Tyler Linderbaum has you know basically sealed the deal at center um, people, especially myself, thought Cole Banwart was going to obviously take one of those guard spots and one of the Paulson twins was going to take the other guard spot. Cole Banwart is in a walking boot. Um, so the Paulson twins are going to be taking the right and left guard spots. I thought that was really interesting. Another position I think is kind of an interesting spot is still the tight end spot. And we were looking at, you know, Nate Weeding, Drew Cook, and Sean Byer <laughs> as the three guys. Yeah. Sean Byer is not able to play right now he still apparently is recovering from injury so it sounds like we're gonna get a healthy dose of you know weeding and cook to start the season against Miami yeah and that's gonna be interesting man I'm excited to see weeding um I'm so excited to see Drew Cook uh like I said before in previous podcasts he came in as a quarterback he's a big dude um and uh let's see what the transition was see if Iowa can mold him to a tight end and you know that's one of the another storyline I think will be interesting to follow and hopefully uh, at the end of the season we have a Cinderella story coming from that position It'd be an incredible story to see Drew Cook come here, um, want to play quarterback. I think everyone really knew he was going to be a tight end. <laughs> but, you know, they, they wanted to give him the opportunity there. For him to come out, if he actually balled out this year and ended up being, God forbid, an NFL draft pick, that would be, the story. That'd be crazy. So yeah. I think that's a good way to end segment number one, though. Um, we have a few messages from our sponsors, and then we're going to jump into segment number two where we cover the depth chart on the defensive side of the ball and cover a little bit of the special team. So stay tuned after a few messages from our sponsors. Hey, real quick, guys, I need to make sure our listeners know about a fantastic platform to find tickets to their next concert or sporting event. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace that not only helps you find seats to the next big event, but it also has a loyalty program so that you can continue to earn even when you shop. For the next few days until the end of August, the rewards are even better, with customers earning between 10% and 16% credit on all of their purchases through the app. All you need to do is go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. 
Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats loyalty program so you can begin earning as you shop. And for a limited time, we have a great promo code for you to use. Just enter KICKOFF100 at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Yep, you heard that right. Enter KICKOFF100 on the next Vivid Seats purchase and save up to $100. That's KICKOFF, K-I-C-K-O-F-F-100. With those savings, you might be able to make your team's season opener after all. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we are back with segment number two. Um, coming off of that segment number one where we covered the offensive depth chart and our reactions to it. On defense, I would say there's not as many big-time question marks, but just a lot of kind of interesting pieces that kind of played out. The first one is that Davian Nixon has played his way into that number two role. For those of you who are not familiar with Davian Nixon, he was actually on the transfer portal this season, chose to came back, come back, and is now really pushing for some good playing time. And in Phil Parker's defense, they really rotate those defensive linemen. So it'll be interesting to see if Nixon can maybe even get some playing time at the one, maybe push Brady Rife or you know, one of those guys for some, some playing time. Yeah, I mean, I think that having him be in the transfer protocol, having him be so upset with everything and um, being able to come back this year and even get more PT this year and being in a role kind of like AJ Epinesa was last year, we're kind of getting some spot minutes, getting some uh, some key uh, uh, snaps while the other guys are getting on the bench getting some rest and getting some uh, water. But, I mean, I think that Iowa's defense has always been a strong suit. Obviously, if he's in the number two spot, they think he's ready. He's been performing well. I mean, all in all, I'm really excited about this defense. I'm excited about uh, the, the Deans. I'm excited about Epinesa, Chauncey, all these guys. Um, I'm just really hoping that uh, the lower guys who haven't really been talked about a lot, the Lattimore, the Nixon, the Reef, you know, hope these guys can step up and kind of be able to make everything come full circle with our defense to be one of these uh, Iowa defenses that, you know, kind of impossible to run on and stifling. So I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, man, there's some, there's some good depth at the defensive line position, even though we thought kind of coming into the season that there was going to be some issues. I actually heard on another media source a couple of days ago that the Iowa defensive line actually may have had a kind of an addition by subtraction, you know, getting some of those older guys out there. There's a lot of potential with this defensive line. And one of the things I think is really interesting is that Amani Jones has worked his way into the rotation. He is listed as the number two defensive end, and he might be seeing some playing time in some of those NASCAR packages that Phil Parker likes to deploy where he's going to basically push AJ Epineza, John, or sorry, AJ Epineza and Chauncey Golson inside and maybe play John Wagner and Amani Jones on the edge, rush the passer. I'm excited to see Amani Jones. I think at middle linebacker, he played kind of reckless and that yeah. didn't really work out well for a middle linebacker in the That's Iowa great. defense, right? But at defensive end, let that guy loose. Let him freaking go and terrorize quarterbacks. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm excited for this NASCAR package. I'm all for putting the pressure on the quarterbacks, and I think that – 
uh, the first couple of times these teams see this package and I see AJ move in, they see Chauncey move in and we see these extra edge rushers. So basically you're having four defensive ends, like you mentioned prior. I mean, I think it's gonna be a scary sight. And if you don't really know how to block that properly, you're not ready for that. I think it's to create a lot of opportunities uh, to get some guys back there. I'm really excited. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for, honestly, I'm just pumped for Epinesa in general, but that defensive line, I think has the potential to be significantly better than last year's line. And last year's line was pretty darn good. So I, I'm excited to see what happens. Another position that's kind of been interesting and we've been kind of following pretty closely is the free safety spot. Uh, Jake Gervas graduated. He is now with the Rams trying to make the team there. Kayvon Merriweather was really the front runner for the position, but Phil Parker wasn't exactly too enthusiastic about him when asked about the free safety position, really said there's some people in line to get some playing time. And to me, it makes it sound like Kayvon Merriweather is kind of an Imani Jones situation from last year. He's on a short leash. If he screws up a couple times, we might see, you know, redshirt or sorry, redshirt sophomore and former walk on Jack Corner come on the, you know, come on the field. We might see a freshman Dame Belton come on the field. So a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunities for different players to get on the field, depending on how Kayvon Merriweather plays at the free safety position. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, uh, like you said, he's on a short leash, but I do think that it's pretty good. Beginning of the year, I think that they're going to kind of make a decision fast. They're going to kind of uh, figure out what's going on after a game or two, because, you know, before we get into that big 10 play, uh, we kind of want to make sure that we get all the positions figured out and we want to make sure that we have a defense we're comfortable with going out there. We don't, we kind of, we, want to minimize the question marks we have because we do have a big or a, you know, harder big time schedule this year, obviously, as everyone knows. So, you know, while we're playing these middle Tennessees and these Miami of Ohio's, we just want to make sure that we are figuring everything out, getting some guys from playing time. And then from that, making a decision because we kind of got to get all hands on board now and start going. Couldn't agree more, man. I think it's nice actually having, I know it sucks, you know, Kirk Ferentz didn't want to have a Big Ten school schedule on the second game of the season, but at least it is Rutgers. So they have Miami of Ohio. Oh, yeah, no, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, it's it basically like playing a max squad, yeah, right? Exactly. So yeah, that gives them opportunity to start figuring some of that stuff out. Um, and obviously, I, I would love to see Kayvon Merriweather succeed. I would love to see, you know, Jack Kerner and, and Dane Belton come in and have some good performances maybe at the end of the, you know, the half or the end of the second half in that first game just to get some you know, familiarity with those guys know that we have some depth, which would be great. Another area where we do have a lot of depth is the cornerback position. Um, but kind of surprising on the depth chart is that Julius Brent was not on the depth chart. And I just want to make sure that people are aware that it's because he's likely injured. It's not because he doesn't have a spot. It's because he's injured, which is really unfortunate. I thought he could challenge for the starting cornerback position. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a really good talent. I think that we do have something special in him. I think he could add to one of the legacy of these great cornerbacks I've always been lucky to have. Um, but I'm excited. I think Hankins um, can step in. I think he can do well. Um, I love Ojemudia, obviously. But um, I know Riley Moss got some playing time last year. I mean, he had some good plays. He also got burned a lot. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just hoping that um, Hankins can keep his place in there. And uh, – God forbid if Riley Moss gets back in the game. But, I mean, I'm just hoping for the best for these cornerbacks. And uh, when Julius Brent is healthy, it'll be interesting to see um, if he's able to challenge Hankins for that starting position as well. 
Yeah, I really, th- I mean, like I said, I really thought he could do that this year. I thought he might be in line to start. I thought Ojemudia might be in the position to move over to the cash, but um, obviously that did, yeah. yeah, that did not play out that way. It'll be really fun to see though against Miami of Ohio. They actually have a pretty interesting wide receiver trio. They have two six foot five guys on the outsides, and they have Jack Sorensen, who was third team All Mac last year. He plays oh, in the slot. Yeah, so he caught 53 passes for 742 yards last year. So, uh, you know, Riley Moss or DJ Johnson are going to get some work um, on Saturday against Jack Sorensen. So it'll be fun to see how they manage that in some, you know, limited time. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of package we have. If we have a nickel in there, the dime. I know we're going to probably work some three cornerback sets, like you said, if they have a three strong receivers. And more importantly, it's going to be on the defensive line as well to, you know, make their way back there and see. It'll be interesting to see the blitz packages and the schemes that they uh, pull up. So it's not always just relying on these cornerbacks one-on-one with the receivers and, you know, putting some pressure on the quarterback to make the job a little easier. So that'll be interesting, but we do have the defensive line. We have the linebackers to make that happen. So I think they could take some pressure off these cornerbacks, especially for game one. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting with the, the four, two, five, you know, DJ Johnson's that in that cash role. So do you put DJ Johnson down there, cover the nickel, or do you bring in a Riley Moss? Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out as well. But just to real quick, I want to make sure we get to the special teams, you know, special teams are, are important too, especially for the Iowa football team. Two big things here, um, actually three really. We don't have to touch on the punting too much, but Michael Sleep Dalton did win the punting job. Thank God we don't have to watch any 20-yard punts from Colton Rassetter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was, oh my gosh, that was annoying. Um, from ki- yeah, just, just not good. Um, from a kicker perspective, uh, we still don't know who's going to be kicking, either Keith Duncan or you know Caleb Shadok. And then finally, Isaiah – or sorry, excuse me, um, Amir Smith-Marset – is going to be returning punts as well as kicks. So that is going to be fun to watch next year, um, or I guess starting in a couple of days, to watch him be able to terrorize opponents, not just in the kickoff return game, but also in the punt return game. Yeah, I think he's crazy elusive. You know, obviously I love him, as I mentioned prior. I think this guy, I really think this is set up for Amir smith Marset to have one of those breakout years and kind of um, make some noise on special teams and at the wide receiver position. I'm really rooting for him. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited. That's insane. The Caleb, uh, Shudek or Shudek, Shudek, Shudek. I'm going to, got- yeah, real quick. I, I hope anyone listening to this knows I suck at names. Yeah. So we're going to, we're just going to butcher this, but Caleb, uh, Shudek, uh, it's crazy that he got the starting role, you know, Keith Duncan with some of those that walk off kick. I'm pretty sure right. He had against Michigan. Yep. You no, know, Sam, it's kind of crazy. Uh, but Iowa has definitely had their kicker battles in the last couple of years. Is that an Iowa fan knows it's never, uh, no guy's ever set in stone. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited, like I, like you said, uh, no more uh, uh, pooch kicks. So that will be great. And uh, you know what? I'm interested to uh, see how they can go with this year. I mean, we are kind of missing. Uh, it would be nice to have some special team explosive plays. And I, But I do think Amir Smith-Marset can be that guy to take a kickoff or a punt back to the house to help out the offense and defense in games. Because you, you got to always win at least two out of the three with offense, defense, and special teams. So after this year, uh, special teams can win some of these games. Yeah, I mean, I think he has the, the ability to potentially be a Tim Dwight-esque return man. So, But I think that'll do it for segment number two. We do have segment number three coming up. We're going to give you the Jordan Bohannon interview. Again, just a quick reminder, um, we're going to be jumping straight into part of that interview that we haven't covered yet. Jordan's going to be talking about Fran McCaffrey and kind of what his thoughts are on the coach. He obviously loves the coach, and you're going to hear about that. We're also going to be talking a little bit about um, how he likes to respond to fans on Twitter. So stay tuned for that on segment number three after a few messages from our sponsors. 
personally, you know, Fran McCaffrey, I, I love, you know, his uh, enthusiasm, I think is a, a good word to, to put it out there. Um, he's very energetic sometimes, a little bit vocal. What are your thoughts on playing for Fran McCaffrey? Uh, I think the, the sentiment in, in Hawkeye Nation is kind of divided, but, you know, when I, when I talked to Nicholas Bayer, he was a huge fan of Fran, and that's kind of what the, the vibe I get, too, is that he stands up for his players. I wanted to hear from you, though. You know, what are your thoughts on Fran? Um, is he kind of a, a ride-or-die guy? Yeah, he's definitely ride-or-die. He has our backs no matter what, and that's that's really special to see um, as a player. Um, I mean, you saw that day, night in, night out when we play in the games. I mean, from Maryland getting thrown out and – um, from from the BS of fishing that was going on that night um, to the same thing with Ohio State, what was going on that night. I mean, you realize that he just has your back um, no matter what's going on. I mean, you can play him bad, but he always has, like, confidence in you when he puts you in that he expects you to play to that potential that he recruited you at and realize keep realizing that potential that you have. Um, and any, anytime you're on player, that kind of gets you – a newfound confidence. I mean, it's definitely found me in some new, even higher confidence when I got here. Um, he gave me the green light to shoot the ball, especially the late games. And, um, I mean, that's all he wanted to coach you right there. I love it, man. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'm a big supporter of Fran McCaffrey. I think it's important for people to hear that straight from the players' mouths as well. Um, people sometimes don't understand just how important that really is. Yeah. So one other question, just kind of shifting things a little bit are, um, so I kind of feel like that, I mean, I know knowing you for a little and talking to you about, you know, athletics and, you know, being in the spotlight and things like that. Well, what do you think um, is the biggest misconception about you? What do you think that uh, you want people to know about you? Because a lot of the time, I have a lot of media going around, and a lot of thing on, things on Twitter, and a lot of people have their own opinions and perceptions just based on, you know, your, however long you're on the court, you know, in that game time, that's it and that people make all of their assumptions based on that. So what do you want people to know about you? And what do you think are a lot of misconceptions about Jordan Bohannon? Yeah, I mean, I, I've always thought that people think I'm kind of a cocky guy. Like, uh, I mean, we've kind of talked about that before. Um, but, I mean, that's just my, my confidence level. Once I step on the floor, I realize I've put this all this work in my entire life to play at this level. So I'm going to play with the most confidence that anyone has on the floor. So, um, and yeah, I don't know if anyone knows me personally individually that they, they, they say that I'm not like that off the court. I try to make the most impact I can with the community. I mean, I talk to as much people as I can when they come up to me. If they ask me for pictures, I always say yes. And same thing with St. Um, I always try to stay late after games to get pictures with all the kids or anyone that's waiting. I mean, I, I've always – I felt like my parents raised me um, truly the right way, and I've always tried to um, keep living up to my, my, my family's name and try not to – um, have anything go wrong outside the court or even on, in the court as well. Definitely, man. Um, so we have a couple, we had a couple of guest questions. They're kind of goofy. I want to run those by you. And then a few just fun questions we typically ask any guest who comes on the show. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Awesome, man. So this one came from Tommy, uh, Tom underscore cat, 1996. Who was a better? <laughs> I have to ask. I, 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 Jordan, Jordan, don't. He, I saw him last night. Uh, he told me he asked it. He's not 100% serious. So if it gets too political, you don't have to answer it. But it's all, you know. all right. I just, I just have to ask this just to see what your response is. <laughs> Who is a better three point shooter in your opinion? Tyler Cook, Ben Simmons, or Isaiah Moss with both hands tied behind his back? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go with Tyler Cook. <laughs> not not Ben Simmons. I mean, you can't shoot without hands, so I'm going to tell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I had to ask that. And then another question I don't I, 
I don't know if this is serious either, but from Skylar Johnson, Iowa Skylar on Twitter, um, how much can you deadlift? Deadlift? Yeah. Oh, shit. I don't know if the last time I deadlifted, maybe like, <laughs> I don't know, 315 maybe? I have no idea. Yeah, you, you do look like you skip leg days, Jordan. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't have that long of legs, so I'm sure I can get a lot higher than that. I have no idea. <laughs> it's a weird question. It, it was a weird question. That's like, I just had to ask them. Um, okay, so a few fun questions from us then. Favorite Iowa memory that's non-basketball, man? That's non-basketball. Um, be careful, be careful from here. Non-memory. Are we talking about in college or just in life in general? Ooh, um I say while at Iowa, like what, yeah. <laughs> what memory at Iowa, besides the basketball, um, these are kind of most memorable. Uh, I mean, this is going to sound cheesy, but I mean, just visiting kids um, around the community, I think that, that's, that's just special to see the impact you have um, on other people's lives because you don't really realize, I mean, we're just normal people in college and then you step out outside of the floor and you kind of realize the impact you have. So um, I always thought that was kind of cool to, walk around Iowa and people know you who you are asking for pictures and stuff. Yeah. Just a side note. So you kind of came in, like you said, as a freshman, you didn't really know if you're going to start. And then you kind of had those big moments like the Wisconsin game, um, kind of being like the figurehead of Iowa basketball these last couple of years. Do you, how has that like affected you mentally? Do you think you've had to grow, grow up a little bit faster? Cause you have to be, you know, political and you have to represent the university of Iowa, you know, fans watch these games. The only, presumption they have of Iowa is the team and you know you so how do you think that's affected you mentally jumping into such big shoes at such a young age and being a figurehead and you know for then being just a figurehead for the community and that can mean being the voice of the state I guess yeah yeah that you could definitely take a toll on you um I mean I had that long Instagram post a couple I don't know what it was over May or something and kind of opened up for the first time about the pressures it is with being a student athlete um especially when you're kind of the focal point of a team and um, I, I put a lot of stress on myself mentally that people probably don't realize and me don't see it once I step on the floor. But uh, when I go home, there's just a lot of things that go through my mind. It's the same thing with any student athlete in any college. So I'm not the only one going through it. Um, so it kind of opened my eyes a little bit more to realizing that's important to really work on your mental state, um, whether that's talking to therapists or talking to your coaches or just talking with your friends to tell you what you're going through because I think that's really important with anyone especially the, kind of the era we're living in now um, in, in this country all right and that concludes our show for today hope you enjoyed that segment number three of the Jordan Bohannon interview we're going to be having Jordan Bohannon the final piece of his interview on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation about the depth chart, got some interesting insights into what to expect going to the Miami of Ohio game and kind of the things we're looking for from a positional perspective. Um, coming up again, we have a great interview coming up next week with Jordan Canzeri. Stay tuned for that. If you did like what you heard today, make sure you like, review, and subscribe wherever you download this podcast at. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked on Iowa and Facebook at Locked on Hawkeyes. You can also find us on Instagram as well. We are going to be doing some great giveaways. We have some awesome stuff in the works. So if you are able to follow us on any of those social media mediums, please do so. That's how you're going to get the most up-to-date information about our giveaways. All right, that'll do it, though, for our Tuesday morning episode. Zach, do you have any last departing words to let the fans know before we close out the show? Uh, screw you, Jake Rudock, and let's go Hawks. <laughs> 
I think that just had to be a kind of recurring recurring segment there. Don't say that to Jordan Canzeri, though. He's a, a big Rudolph fan, big friend of his. So, anyways, thank you all for tuning in on our Tuesday morning episode of the Locked on Hawkeyes. Have a great day, Hawkeye Nation. Go Hawks!